It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers insiders Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Steve Flitty here. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, joined by James Cratch. And this week by Brian Fonseca, which gives you a hint as to what we'll be talking about in the podcast. And let me set the scene for you, uh, Fonseca, since you, you weren't at the Rutgers football game with Cratch and I on Saturday. But Rutgers loses to Maryland. And we're in the press box, and you know the walk from the, the press box down. The, you have to go down through the stands, across the field, up the other stands. It's a long walk to get from the press box to the press conference. And when we leave the press box, Rutgers is comfortably ahead of UMass. It was like, oh, okay, well, at least the basketball team is going to turn this around. By the time we get to the interview room, which is the Rutgers team room, it's a close game. So, you know, it takes Greg Shannon forever to get from into the press conference. So I pull up the ESPN GameCast on my, on my laptop. And I had asked Greg Shannon a question about the quarterbacks. And in the time that he gave a long answer about the quarterback situation, blending in a program, a great answer. But in the time that he was answering the question, Rutgers law had blown the lead to UMass and had given up the three-pointer. And I can see it flash up on my game cast the corner of my eye i'm like so i you know i have me i wonder like because greg's you know, was talking if he could see my eyes sort of open wide during the course of this because i caught a glimpse of what happened in umass and i guess that's the question since we'll start there because it's 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 much more shocking i think than what happened with the football team but i mean what happened how did they lose that game yeah i mean that's a great question right i was kind of going through, i mean i was watching the game and i was thinking the same thing it was kind of like you know i had a nice little story written about how Rutgers finally puts in a complete performance the offense looks like it's functional for the first time in the year they're defending decent enough and then umass is chipping away and chipping away and i'm thinking all right this is nice but they're gonna pull this out right and they just kept missing shots and committing fouls and uh, it, it just collapsed i mean umass hit some tough shots uh the last two threes they hit were like from the middle of nowhere but you don't you can't blow a 17 point second half lead to a team that you were dominating for the first 25 minutes there's i mean there's so many things that went wrong they they, they couldn't the first 25 minutes they were scored 50 points in the paint or something absurd like that between cliff and ralph ag and then they didn't go into the paint for the rest of the game because umass's zone somehow got infinitely better in the last 10 minutes or so, uh, they, they reverted to bad shots, stopped moving the ball as much. They couldn't defend the perimeter. I, I mean, everything that went wrong in the first five games just kind of came back 
in the second half of that game. And, and the, 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 the loss to Lafayette is obviously terrible for the reason of the fact that Lafayette is a bottom, is a 300, sub 300 team on Ken Palm. I mean, that's terrible enough. But to lose the way you do at UMass is maybe even worse just because of it felt like things were starting to go back on track and it just, it just collapsed. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's embarrassing, right? It has to be. Well, I, I guess, you know, you talk about that way. You, you, can, you can lose that game. Like teams lose that game in, in non-conference play. It happens. You can even lose the Lafayette game. It ha- I mean, you know, Syracuse lost to Colgate. It happens. You can lose the DePaul game. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad, you got a bad Big East team, whatever, conference three, now bad Big East team. It happens. But you can't lose all three. You can't lose them in a row, Cratch. I mean, this, uh, just taking this from, a, from the big picture perspective, we're not in December yet, and we're, they're in danger of this season being over. I mean, that, that's kind of where it's at. I mean, I think in the case of many fans, it is over. You know, I think that's the – I was kind of fascinated going into this year of, you know, could this team, you know, and look, this is a lot of this is on Steve Peichel. Steve Peichel ran around to every microphone he could find telling the world this was his best team. And people kept saying, really? I mean, you're in the NCAA tournament, and then you lose Miles Johnson, and you lose Jacob Young. Best team. And he pushed the line. He pushed the line. Best team, best team, best team. And now he's got this. So I think that that's going to create – that's making the panic feel even greater. But, no, you can't lose any – you shouldn't lose any of those games. You can't lose all three of them in a row. And now you've got Clemson and Illinois – and this thing could completely spiral out of control. Like the season could be over by Christmas. By the time, you know, can they beat Central Connecticut State at 8.30 p.m. on Festivus? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Festivus for the, for the rest of us. Uh, I, guess that's the, I guess that's it. And Fonseca, I mean, you, you better feel for this than I do. I, I, you know, can they turn? I mean, you have to – you now have to turn those three losses into wins you're not expecting. So you, you certainly – I don't know. You, you – Seton Hall seems like a must-win looming in, in a couple of weeks. You got two, the, probably the two best teams in the Big Ten, or at least two of the three or four best teams in the Big Ten, uh, coming up here in Illinois and Purdue. You know, and Clemson—they're not great, not as good as they were last year, but they're probably a tournament team. I mean, is there is there some hope? Give me a reason, if you're a Rutgers fan, to hope that they can win three out of the four, three out of the four games. That's a very hard question. That's probably the hardest question you could ask. I mean, I have a very hard time finding any, you know, shining light beam from the first six games. I mean, they, I guess they can't shoot any worse from three. They're shooting 25%, which only uh, 24%, which only nine other teams in the country are shooting worse. So you'd think they would, you know, regress to the mean there. I, that's one positive, I guess. But Or take I mean, the fewer way, than one of the two. Yeah. Right. And you just figure that if they – keep playing the way they have been playing. And I can't imagine they can get much better because this is the reality of the team. As much as Steve Pico will double and triple and quadruple down on the fact that this is his best team yet. Uh, and I mean, to that point, I think Cratch is right. I think Pico really shot himself in the foot setting expectations that high because you can tell people are very upset and feel, they feel lied to given how often he was pumping the team up and how they look. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, the reality cannot be more different than the expectations he set. So had, had he pumped the brakes and not been so forthcoming and wanted to pump up the players that he brought back and acknowledge that the losses he had were going to create as much of an impact as they did, maybe people would be ready for something like this. I think that adds – I mean, they would still be upset, obviously. I imagine it's not fun to lose three games in a row by one point uh, – by one possession. But 
the expectations would be tempered. Um, but unless they start making more threes, unless they play the way they did in the first half against UMass and not the second half, I really – I think the season is pretty much over because this team is not going to win, you know, the 11 games in Big Ten play they have to win to make – to become – to go on the bubble, right? Like, I think the NIT – the goalposts shift to an NIT as the goal because, again, unless they have a drastically – drastic improvement this isn't this isn't that's that's the ceiling for this team right the the only two things i will say that does that does give you a little hope is you're right that the games did come down to the final possession teams hitting big shots okay if if one ball bounces off the rim it's a different story and the big 10 is not it's not this powerhouse that it probably was last year at least it seems to be a little bit down i guess that gives you hope cratch i mean you buy you buying or selling that i mean is there any you have to assume that Ron Harper is going to be better than that. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, kind of grasping at straws here, but um, it just seems hard to believe that we're talking, we're talking about this in the past tense in November. Yeah. I mean, look, could certainly they could turn it around, you know, I mean, if they went out in the non-conference, if they beat Clemson and beat Seton Hall, if they can get to 11 or 12 big 10 wins, you know, but Again, it's just it's hard to sit here and say, "Oh, they're going to go twelve and eight in the Big Ten because that's incredibly difficult to do. You know, ten and ten feels like a a real accomplishment in the Big Ten. Now the Big Ten is down, but yeah, I mean, I I just think this is so fascinating because I've been really kind of taken away how like there's Pykele has no built-in equity. It seems. And maybe that's just, you know, the loudest people are on Twitter and on the message boards. But even football, we've seen football, you know, the, 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 the crowd's thin and everything and the passion wane. But it took a long time to get to where it was by the time, you know, Shiano came back. Basketball went from zero to 100 like that under Pykele. And you wonder if it, it could just easily go right back to zero, basically, almost. You know, like – if this team continues at the pace they're at, I mean, this could be like 3,000 people in the rack for, for Big Ten play. It is amazing. You're right. It is amazing about the – I thought that making the NCAA tournament would give Steve Peichel six years of, of built-up uh, equity. It didn't get him six games based on people I talked to. And that's, that definitely is an overreaction. And in college basketball, if they come out and they play well against Clemson, I think people go, oh, okay, all right, well, we're back on track at least, and they'll be – you know. Yeah. But it, it is, you're right, it is amazing uh, how, how I think part of it, set. too, I think part of it, too, is if you – like, Pat Hobbs has given Steve Peichel everything. Yeah. The contract, the facility, the – you know, his assistance. You know, I think that's one thing I – well, probably I saw a, uh, a sneak peek of, like, a question we had from an insider. You know, I think there's a very good argument to be made that even after the, co- the co- pandemic year – Last season, the Padov should have gone to Steve Peichel and said, Steve, you have to hire someone from the outside who can make this offense better. I think it's a very – like that probably should have been done because this offensive thing is just – it's just never getting there. And, you know, Brian can weigh on this, but this feels like they still – the system he wants to run is just not getting to the point where it's all coming together. You agree, Brian? Yes, and I don't – I'll make this comparison to football in a very roundabout way. A lot of people are grilling strong Gleason for the struggles of the offense. I think it's fair to say that many of the struggles are because they don't have the horses. I don't think that problem is to the same extent in basketball. And I agree with Cratch that the offensive system they run is very limited. It's very limited. But they also don't have the horses 
to make it reach its, its, its highest potential, they do get open looks. There are plenty of open looks in the games, and they're shooting 24%. I think any you know, halfway good basketball team can shoot better than 24% on threes. And right. so I think it's a combination of two. I agree with Cratch that they do need some form of a modern offense, if only to be more attractive of a destination for recruits. Because if I'm high-level scorer, and that's what these top-level recruits are, they're high-level ki- kids who can score, why would you want to come to play in a system that's just stale and really you can't, you can't stand out? I think, I think that is uh, as much part of it as, as – uh, and it, it, it makes for an interesting uh, makes for an interesting transition or or comparison. You mentioned football, and if you if you watch the, the game against Mar- I mean Maryland and the game before against Penn State, the offense is unwatchable. Uh, but but there is the sense that okay, we've got our quarterback, we've got our our little Tua come in next year, guy who you know who's gonna who's gonna make it interesting. They've recruited the quarterback. They've giving you some hope. They brought him in early. You've got Gavin Wims that didn't play against Maryland. We're still not sure why. Uh, likely not ready. He's still a 18-year-old kid. He's got to develop. But there is that feeling like, all right, football's got the guy. And it goes to expectations. Your point, Kratz, about expectations. You know, Greg Shano inherited it at rock bottom, exceeded them in year one, and Met or even if you're realistic, met or even exceeded them in year two, like five and seven. You would have, I think, fans would have signed for five and six, playing Maryland for a chance for a bowl game. If you have, if you're a realistic fan, you looked at that and you said, okay, well, I take that in year two. I mean, at least that the narrative for football is that the, the program's unscheduled. Uh, and that's a good way to talk about this game. I mean, we, you know, do you, do you buy that as well? That when you look at what happened this season in football, at least, you know, it is heading in the right direction. Certainly. I, you know, I think they did exactly what they had to do this year. They went five and seven. Uh, you know, obviously it's, I think it would have helped to beat Maryland two years in a row, but they got a win all over Indiana that I don't think anyone expected. You know, they swept the non-conference. They beat Syracuse, which was, you know, in hindsight, kept Syracuse out of a bowl game, you know, in terms of local recruiting. You know, the offense, I don't want to – it's kind of hard to say the offense regressed because all of their numbers, for the most part, were about the same. Now, granted, that was not – all in Big Ten games in 2020. Obviously, they had some non-conference games to fatten things up in, in 2021. Um, the offense was nowhere near as effective, I think, but I think it was basically the same thing. They they did a lot of experimenting on the offensive line, as I, as I wrote on Monday. That has to actually pay off in 2022. You know, you, you played all these guys, you mixed and matched so much, and you, you need to get a couple players out of all that. But the biggest thing is, as you said, this is Gavin Wimsett's program now. It looks like Noah Vedral is going to indeed stick around. Maybe, he, maybe you know, he has a great summer and he pushes it and there's a little bit of a platoon to start. I don't expect that. It, the Gleason era, it all kind of starts here. The problem is they're not going to be that much better next year than they were this year, I think. Right. And that, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. Looking forward. If it's possible that this thing takes a step back in 2022, uh, which we will address here in true or false. Another good, another good transition guys. Uh, Fonseca, I'm sure you remember the rules. Give you a topic, true or false. Then we'll talk about them at the end. Let's start with this one in the news today. True or false. Fran Brown. Rutgers defensive backs coach and ace recruiter will be the next head coach 
at Temple. Cratch, true or false? False. Wow. All right. Fonseca? False. Uh, I'm going to go true just for the sake of conversation later. Uh, next one. True or false, Gavin Wimsat will start the 2022 football opener quarterback. Cratch, true or false? True. Fonseca? These are layups. True. I'm going to to go false, too, just for for conversation's sake, because Noah Vedrill is coming back. All right, true or false, Rutgers will be bowl eligible in 2022. Cratch. False. Fonseca. False. Yeah, that's a big false for me as well. We'll look at the schedule next. All right, true or false, get ready. It's going to be a busy transfer portal for Rutgers football this winter. Cratch, true or false? I will say false. All right. Fonseca? That's a very relative term. I'll say true, but I'm interested to see what Cratch says. Yeah, I I hate when I hear Cratch too as well because I think true. I I thought true, but we'll see what he says. All right. True or false? Forget the postseason. This basketball team will finish below 500 overall. Cratch? False. I think that this non-conference schedule, in hindsight, maybe was drawn to prevent that possibility. Although losing to Lafayette probably wasn't in the plan. Fonseca, true or false? I think it's a very real possibility, but I will say false. In fact, they were even asking the question is tough. I'll go false as well. All right. uh, True or false? We keep on talking about the shooting woes, but the problem with the basketball team is defense. Cratch, true or false? say false all right Fonseca I'll also say false but I do think there is an interesting conversation to be had here all right I'll go false as well we'll have that conversation a couple more football was bad men's hoops was worse but the women's hoops loss on Saturday was the worst defeat of the day for Rutgers Cratch, true or false false I mean football bowl game so much at stake (laughs) Fonseca true or false False, it's the third worst. God, it would, all right, I'm going to go true. It was 46 to 8 at halftime. How do you have that happen in a game? Uh, you're probably right, though. The false. All right, and finally, true or false? Rutgers women's soccer will win the natty. Cratch, true or false? You're really going to make me look like a jerk. False. <laughs> I am going to make you look like a jerk in a minute, especially. Fonseca, true or false? I'm breaking out the pom-poms, baby. They're going for the natty. Ah, oh, come on. You stole my thunder. I'm going to go true as well. Why not? They play Florida State against Florida State's the best TI. Right, let's start there. Fun sake, you are a resident soccer expert, someone who watches European games and tweets about, I forget the team's name now, ben, Benfica. Is Benfica? Is that what it is? Or I'm Port- so insulted. Sporting. Sporting. Sporting? I'm so insulted, Steve. Why would you say oh, that? Sorry. Porto? Which one? I know there's a... I, it's one sporting. Of these, it's sporting, sporting. yes. I, I hate Benfica with every fiber of my being. Okay. Well, it's close. I almost... <laughs> Give us your soccer break. Do you have any knowledge on this? They play Florida State. It looks like Florida State's the best team in the uh, women's soccer, and then they would possibly play the defending champs in the next – if they get to the uh, final game of this college cup. What makes you optimistic? 
I cannot say I've watched any Florida State women's soccer this year, um, so I can't give you any breakdown on the Seminoles, but right. uh, I've watched a decent amount of Rutgers women's soccer. I think uh, Megan McClellan, the Carney native, shout out Soccer USA, Soccer Town USA. Uh, she's yeah. been playing very well uh, in the penalty shootouts and in, in regulation. Um, Amira Ali's been getting a lot of chances, and I think at some point she will uh, have a very efficient game and finish more, more of them than she misses. Uh, Frankie Tagliaferri has been great this season. Uh, there are a few very interesting, very talented, talented uh, freshmen on this team that are growing, have grown as the season went along and played really well uh, against uh, uh, not TCU. I forget who they beat uh, to get to against Arkansas. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. And I think Mike O'Neill has built this program to the point where uh, Rutgers fans should be optimistic. I mean, they're back at the college cup for the second time in six years. Why, why not? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I'm all in. Push the chips to the table. Uh, all right. Jumping around here to the other topics we discussed. Uh, what, Kratz, give us why you don't think it's going to be a busy transfer portal. I mean, I, I think even it seemed like the exit door would be busy in, in some sense for, for kids who didn't play. What, what, what's your thought there? Yeah, I was more looking at it from a bringing guys in. I mean, look, I think they're going to make some transfer portal additions, but I'm gonna, and I'm going to write about this later in the week. I just don't – I think people who think that Rutgers is just going to transfer portal its way back to glory, like overnight, like Michigan State did, I, I just don't – I don't think that's a realistic expectation. I think that, you know, Mel Tucker was able to have so much success with the transfers in part because even though they hadn't recruited well – in the last few years of Mark D'Antonio, he inherited a program that had a lot stronger foundation of talent to build on than Greg Schiano did. And it just comes back to its supply and demand. You know, this is NFL free agency yeah. and, you know, Rutgers needs an offensive lineman. They need a wide receiver. They need a tight end. They need a pass rusher. 129 other teams in America need that too. And, you know, some of them are going to be ahead in the pecking order. So, I think they're going to add transfers. Uh, I don't think it's going to be crazy, and I think that you need to be kind of temper your expectations about the impact those guys are going to have. So let's look. 2020 transfer portal class, very impactful. Dwum four, Brendan White, helped them in year one. They get Bedrill, they get Crookshank. Year two, there were some injuries involved. This transfer portal group really didn't do much for them. Ifan Maja was a good defensive tackle who became a starter in the second half of the season, but they didn't get anything out of young blood. Christian Braswell didn't play this year. Uh, Nagugu didn't really do much when, before he was injured. So I think you need to be careful thinking that transfer portal is just going to magically make this team a seven, eight win team, six, seven, eight win team next year. Right. Right. I, I will say that they don't, they, it seemed like they have to get a guy, somebody who can play receiver and be a playmaker. I understand that those, those guys are hard to come by, but, uh, and you're right. Young blood seemed like he would be that guy and he wasn't that guy. So I don't know if there's an answer out there or not, but it'll be interesting to see what Greg Shiano does. Uh, all right. So we talked about bowl eligibility. We all said false there. I mean, the schedule is just, it, I mean, I look at it again this morning, you know, at BC, you temple to win, but the crossover games, as bad as Nebraska was this year, it's Nebraska at Minnesota. You know, I mean, again, we think we saw uh, with beating Wisconsin that they're pre- they're pretty good. You know, Iowa is on the schedule, a home game. It's still it's Iowa. It's just hard to pick up. It is hard to pick out six wins on that schedule. Even if they, I assume they're going to add one as as a you know a, a, a one double A or yes, they will. They will be they will be adding a FCS scrimmage. Right. Yes. You know, I, I would expect Norfolk State, you know, or well, the pals of the, the, the good old days will be, will be making an appearance at SHI Stadium sometime mid-September. 
Right, right. I wonder, and I wonder how fans will feel about that if it, if it does, if it is hard, as hard as it looks next year and you're starting a freshman quarterback who's going to make mistakes and have growing pains, if they're going to be patient for it. I think that is a big question, what's going to happen in 2022. Uh, all right, what else do we want to talk about here? So we all said false on the basketball team finishing below 500, even though they're three and three with Seton Hall, Clemson in the non-conference. I mean, it's all you have to do is go – eight and 12 in the big 10 and you're, you're, you're right there. Right. I mean, that's, that's certainly possible. No, no, it is. It is. I mean, they, 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 it's certainly possible. I just think at this point with Gio there, with Ron there, you know, you, you just have to hope that they kind of get hot at some point, you know, even if they have like a little like four game win streak that can kind of keep them above water. <laughs> Who is going to be the head coach at Temple if not Fran Brown? And why, why would Temple not hire the best available Philadelphia recruiter or South Jersey recruiter? I, you know, I think it's a couple things. I mean, one, it's like different AD, different administration, but they had two chances to hire Fran the last time, and they didn't hire him either time when they hired Diaz and when they hired Rod Carey. You know, I think right. salary becomes a concern. It looks like they're, pay, you know, $5 million to pay Carrie and his assistants to go away. That's a lot of money to school like Temple. I mean, that's basically one year's AAC TV payout. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, look, I think Al Golden, there's a very good chance Al Golden comes back. I've heard that out there that he's willing to come back. You know, he's a guy who has obviously made a lot of money in his life. So maybe he can take a lower salary to start. You know, I think with Fran too, We've always tied Fran to Temple, but the Temple job has changed drastically uh, since, you know, he was up for it the last time and since he's come to Rutgers. AAC is a disaster. I mean, it's it's basically Temple and a bunch of schools from the south and the west. You know, it's a lot harder to recruit now with, with Rutgers humming again, you know, at, it, I don't know if it's the if it's the job that it used to be. I don't know if it's going. It might prove to no longer be the type of job where you can win games and springboard to the next job like it did for Golden and Rule and Jeff Collins and Adazio. So what then? What is Fran Brown's move then? You know, what, what would be the next? What would, this is an interesting question. What is the next job for a up and coming Rutgers assistant to take? You know, it might be a head coaching opportunity to somewhere else, you know, yeah. at the FCS level, you know, or, you know, it could be there. I mean, it could be Temple. I mean, look, if he gets offered the Temple head coaching job, he's going to take it. You know, you, there's only 130 of these jobs in the country. Right. I just don't know if he's necessarily going to be the no doubt candidate that people think he would be. And look, if he gets a job, obviously it's a blow for Rutgers, but I don't think he's going to sudden all these, these elite players that he's helped Rutgers recruit. I don't think he's necessarily going to be, all of a sudden taking them all to Temple with him. Because, again, as we've said, Temple is in a league that no one really, you know, the, the league, it's geographic outlier. It's not a Power 5 conference. And going back to – even go back – you've heard it from other former assistants from the first time Greg was here. They would have kids tell them, like, we love everything about you and your school, but we're not playing in that conference. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. And you might have the same thing there. Very true. Uh, all right. Good job, guys. Uh, let's dive into uh, our Rutgers Insider questions. As always, thank you for subscribing. Uh, we had some we had some therapy after uh, the latest loss on there, uh, texting back and forth, and, and I was always enjoy it. So thanks for your questions. We're going to start with JP, our man, uh, JP Marathon Man. JP is in London. 
uh, asking a question. It's like picture him walking through the uh, Churchill War Rooms with uh, our podcast playing out in the background or Westminster Abbey or something. Seems like that would be perfect, perfect sound for for London. All right, uh, it's a basketball question. Can the basketball season be saved? Uh, is there is there a locker room issue? Do all the players in there need depth perception check? Uh, and is there a need for an offensive mastermind on the coaching staff now? Very apparent. Fonseca cried to mention this. Uh, he one thing one thing that um, you know. Obviously, Steve Peichel values having staff continuity. He has a, he's had assistant coaches stick stick around for a long time. Is does he need to shake this up? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it seems like the current tactics aren't working. Rutgers hasn't really had a functioning offense outside of maybe 2019-20. So if he wants to fix that, I think that's the route to go. The question is whether is that as much of a priority for him as A, the staff continuity, and B, the defensive side of the ball. We obviously know he's a defensive coach. We obviously know he puts most of his eggs in that basket. Uh, So is he willing to sacrifice what has – Really, I mean, it's worked, right? Outside of this this awful start to the season, it helped him get Rutgers to the NCAA tournament, which I don't th- think people should take for granted how insane it is that in five years he took Rutgers to the NCAA tournament, right? right. Um, so I don't know if he's willing to change his entire philosophy for the sake of fixing the offense. As for whether the season can be salvaged, I think a lot of things have to happen. I think uh, all the guys, all the senior leaders who have played – poorly and have regressed this year, have to play better. Uh, Geo Baker has to come back from his hamstring injury sooner rather than later and play a lot better. Ron Harper has been decent, but he has to push up his level. Uh, the younger players have to develop a lot quicker. Um, they, like Mawat Mag showed some signs. Uh, Jaden Jones has looked decent. Uh, so if they, they have to develop a lot quicker. Ralph Ag has to play the way he did against UMass, against everybody else, which might be tough considering UMass is one of the smallest teams in the country and that contributed into him bullying them the way he did. Um, So, I mean, is it possible? Yes. A lot of things have to go well. And the schedule really isn't getting any easier. Outside of games against Ryder, Central Connecticut State, and Maine, Rutgers is playing a team, teams within the top 110 for the rest of the year. Wow. Like the schedule is brutal, brutal. So unless they start playing a lot, a lot better than they have right now, I just don't see things, things turning around. Uh, And, and, that's why I was very iffy on whether they can have a losing season because it's it's possible given given those circumstances. Right. Okay. Uh, another basketball question. You can take this one from Peter in Palm City, Cratch. Uh, Peter wants to know: Is it possible Pico could be in trouble here? Looking at a sophomore class, he could have three busts: Mog, Palm, and Reber. Miller can't get a sniff, and two more unheralded guys next year. Ugh. I mean, I think I know we're going to go over this, but Pike is as much in trouble as a Supreme Court justice is at this point, I would think, with the current athletic director and his contract. Do you agree? Yes. Um, Steve Pike not going anywhere. I mean, I think he's under contract until like 2025, 20, 26 or something. And the big money doesn't come until the end. I mean, by the end of his current deal, he's going to be making just under what? Greg Schiano makes so, you know they are they are all in on that. You know, um, yeah, no, he's not in trouble. But I will say this: I think that the the lack of like equity has seemed to, to has surprised me that people are so upset about this. And I do think that the way he recruits, 
Rutgers is going to have some down years here and there. This seems like that's the trajectory of the program. You know, the key is going to be one, those, you know, kind of in the middle years when you're rebuilding, you got to do something with them. So you've got to go to the NIT in those years. You have to maybe eke out an NCAA tournament bid. And when you, when you're, when you hit all the guys, when your guys are older, when they're juniors and seniors, you got to win. And I think that if, if it gets to the point where they don't have that rise again, or they don't, make the tournament two years in a row if it went they've got two tournament caliber teams back to back that's when things start to get a little dicey because if the cycle gets busted and you start packing some bad or mediocre years on top of each other people are going to get antsy look i'm going to say this in the most intelligent sober way i can rutgers has a state-of-the-art basketball facility they're in the big 10 they can pay a head coach three and a half four million dollars a year if Steve Peichel long-term doesn't go to the tournament consistently, there are going to be people here who think they can do better. It's just, it's going to be a different mentality. Yeah. I think, oh. you know, yep. you know, and I, I also think the thing too, is that people used to get afraid about Peichel leaving. Look at the country, look at the landscape. There's only like two or three jobs out there that would want to hire Steve Peichel that Steve Peichel would probably want to leave here for between money and fit and everything. So look, I think he's here for the long haul, but if, this, if this becomes more, if a pattern that repeats for years and years and years, at some point, yeah, people are going to say, let's go take a run into Hurley, brother, again. Right, right. I, I agree. And I, I think it's, you just can't write him off this quickly. Either he always said he was going to be a developmental program, he's going to bring guys in and, and, and find diamonds in the rough and develop them. He's done that. It's been a bad start, could be a bad year, but he certainly has built in the equity to survive that. All right, really quick, then one more basketball question for you, Fonseca, from Paul Jaffe. If you could bring back either of the transfers who left the program, who would it be? Would it be Miles or Jacob Young? I know my, I know my answer is. I'm curious who, who yours is. Miles Johnson or Jacob Young? Which one would you want back? I'm curious about yours, too, because I think it is uh, – I think it's a close call, really, because they need – they have no depth at the five behind Cliff, and Cliff has been decent – offensively but sometimes on defense you just watch him and you wonder what, what what's going on what is he doing right he's still learning on that job and miles did so much on that end of the floor to clean up any mistakes from everyone else he protected the rim so well he rebounded so well and i think he did a lot of underappreciated things there but i do think jacob young in two separate categories one he's the only guy he would be the only guy on this roster who can get any dribble penetration at all Nobody else on this roster can attack a zone or dribble in and go to the rim and get a foul. They miss that desperately, and a lot of stuff comes from out of that. But I think, and again, this could be conjecture. This could be me projecting. I don't know how much of an impact this has because I'm not a college basketball player, and I see this from the outside. But he had a fire in his belly that I don't see on the floor. I haven't seen on the floor yet this season. It's contagious. It looked to be contagious last year, and I just don't, I don't see that. I, I will say that I don't know how much of that is the fact that Rutgers does not have this monumental carrot that they are chasing. They've been chasing the NCAA carrot for years. They finally got it last year. Now is, is getting back there a second time as motivating? I don't know. And again, I, I'm not saying that I know that for a fact. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. But Jacob Young brings both the tangible and the intangible. So to answer the question, I think Jacob Young is, is the answer. We agree on that. They'd be five and one if Jacob Young was here. They would have. They would have certainly beaten Lafayette. They would have handed them the ball in the second half, and he would have scored a bunch of points. I feel the same way of UMass. It's but it's a no brainer. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to football questions. Cratch, 
got a bunch of questions about where was Evan Simon, <laughs> which is an interesting debate. I mean, we've been talking about the quarterback future. Uh, Noah Vedral benched at halftime against uh, Maryland. Evan Simon came in, let him to touchdown drives. Didn't look great otherwise, but this, this, he, is he playing himself into the, the conversation of quarterback? I think they want him to play his way into staying. I think they would ideally – look, they're not, I don't think – I don't see how they're going to keep Snyder and Simon on this roster this, this offseason. I think mean, they want to keep one of them, definitely. Because if you, that way you have Wimsat, you have Vedral, you have Simon, potentially. You know, you don't want to go into a situation – because remember, didn't sign a quarterback in 2020 – uh, 2021 a scholarship quarterback don't have an offer to 2023 yet you don't want to Gavin Rupp I know you know they like what he you know he's works hard he did good work on the scout team and practice but you don't want him to be your third string quarterback a preferred walk-on who's a redshirt freshman so yeah I mean I look I think that I felt on the whole from everything we saw when I saw Snyder and Simon play Snyder impressed me more and Snyder was the first guy off the bench a great deal but I will say this. They put Simon in at halftime and let him have the whole game, burning a red shirt, which I, surprised me. And then go back to Northwestern. When, when Vedra leaves the game, it was a two-score game, you know, with, with a good amount of time left on the clock. It was not a game where you were – it was not garbage time. They went to Simon there. So, as I wrote, the way they managed the quarterbacks this year, all of them, made very little sense. Like, I really wasn't following Greg Shannon's explanation of, like, this game at halftime was the moment where he was like, this was a bridge too far. No more with Noah Vedral. We can't keep putting him <laughs> it out. Was weird. Yeah. It was very weird because it's like, well, I mean, kid got lit up so many times and played so poorly at times and you never made a change. And then I thought Rutgers outthought itself with v- Wimsat. Like that was the moment right there. Yes. To put Wimsat in and just let him go. Who cares? And they weren't able to do it because you had him take, pointless snaps in Indiana in a blowout. But they could have played. I don't think he still could have played. He was available. They could have played. You know, yeah. I mean, I think the problem was they were trying to save him for this big bowl game. You know, I, I also think that they're – I'm sorry. I think they, they didn't want him to play at home and for some reason. Oh, well, that's crazy. Uh, that's, the, that's the reason. That's, I mean, that, that's just weird. look, they won't tell us what the plan is. They say they've got a plan. I'm going to take them at their word. They've got a plan. Don't think it was a very good plan in hindsight, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it's over now. The bridge season has complete. It's Gavin Wimsett now, 2022 Chestnut Hill. That's the focus. More football questions. We got John from Edison wants to know what coaching changes do you see happening with the football team? Are we looking at a shakeup? I think that's a really great question. And you know, obviously, he kept his entire staff together from the the COVID year to this year. I'd be very surprised, Cratch if it's intact again. And that's not because there's going to be some kind of, it has to be a shakeup. It's just because of the nature of the beast. It's just very rare that you're able to do that. I mean, offensively, I would be stunned if Sean Gleason's not still the offensive coordinator. I think he believes in him. And I think he should believe in him. He had a bad year, a rough year for a lot of reasons, a lot of them out of his control. I think he'll be the offensive coordinator. I'm not as certain about Rob Smith. What do you think? You know, I don't, here's my thing about Rob Smith. It's just like, they Something like, yes, like, so, like they have no pass rush. Some of that is scheme. Thought the secondary didn't play terribly well. Linebackers were okay. But this is, first off, I would say this, Greg Schellner was heavily involved in the defense. So the idea that, like, the, the, like the, the coordinators just do their own thing and Greg just sits there, that's not the way it is. Two, Greg has hired Rob Smith three times in his coaching career now. First time here at Rutgers with the Bucks coming back to Rutgers, clearly respects the guy. Good coach. 
I just don't know if I don't think changing a defensive coordinator changes the fact that CJ Nyechi and Mike Tverdov combined for one sack this year when they had six in 2020. It doesn't change the fact you played a lot of Keontae Hamilton and he played well, but he's a young guy. It doesn't change the fact that Julius Turner's getting double and triple teams. You know, Muhammad Ture is a guy who I, I still feel like they just don't get enough out of him for his ability. You know, they had injuries. The secondary was some of this. I, I just don't think this is a situation where you just blame it all on the court. Coordinator. And moreover, like, there are bad defenses in college football. I mean, giving up 600, 700 yards a game, giving up 56 points a week. Rutgers wasn't a good defense, but I never looked at it like, this is a no. complete disaster defense. Right. Like, one of them three games, one of beat, one of the Syracuse yeah. game, one of the. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there have been, like, there are some bad defenses out there that literally, like, they, they can't even gather stance. And they're, you know, Rutgers didn't give up a lot of big plays. That was a problem. So, yeah, I just could I, – I think, yes, naturally there's going to be some changes. But I don't think it's because, like, oh, we must fire half these guys because we went no. five and seven. I think it's going to be natural advancement opportunities. I think there's going to be, you know, progression. I think, you know, th- jobs come up, you know. I mean, look, Syracuse is going to overhaul its staff. Temple's now open. UConn's open. UMass open. There's going to be a lot of jobs in the Northeast. I don't think there'll be as much turnover as maybe people think because without going, you know, assistant by assistant, look at the roster. There are a lot of guys who have come back to Rutgers under Greg or are from New Jersey. Don't necessarily, if they, as long as they still have a job, you would expect they're going to want to stay in that job. Right. Yeah. So I, to, to answer that question, I totally agree with you. We're going to see, we're going to see, I, I'm going to put it at three, give me the over under at three uh, different assistants come and go. It's going to be a natural kind of deal. And it's not a bad thing either. I think at, at this point, for one, I think he could use another another really high-level recruiter. And two, he probably uses just another set of eyes too, just someone else in the building who can, uh, you know, who can contribute to it. So uh, we expect that to happen. All right, let me go through these, see what other questions we have here. Um, okay, so this that we had, so here's a question about the, you mentioned the defensive line in this one. And I think this is a good one. We have optimism for an upgrade at quarterback on the roster. My question is whether we will have an upgrade at offensive line or an up- upgrade on defensive line next fall. Two of the most key positions, two of the key positions on the field. It seems like they're very optimistic about the defensive, young defensive linemen in the program. What do you think, Cratch, overall? Is that we going to have improvement on those two positions for next year? Defensive line, I, I think I'm less certain of just because I really think they probably, hopefully, they got to try to find someone defensive end pass rusher in the, in the portal. But look, they like Wesley Bailey. I thought Aaron Lewis had a pretty good year. Keontae Hamilton's coming back. Maja's coming back with all counts. They should be solid there. I, I just think the pass rush is the issue, but maybe you do th- different things schematically. Maybe you open things up a little bit. Maybe those guys are in the program. You know, offensive line is like if Reggie Sutton's back and healthy and Raekwon O'Neal stays and Holland Pierce continues to develop, you've, you know, Rainey and Felter and Brown, you've got some options at guard. You like what Gus Zalinskis did at center. You get a guy out of the portal. You bring some recruits in. That unit should be better. But until we actually see Rutgers line up and have an offensive line that's Big Ten caliber, snap in and snap out, it's, it's hard to forecast that. Because we thought the same thing a year ago, and then the group regressed. Yep, very true. 
Good point. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your questions. There are a bunch we didn't answer. We might go back in and try to send you a text with, uh, with some answers later on today. All right. So let's, we don't have any predictions in football to do. Do you want to do a quick hoops? Here, let's, here's what we'll do. Hoops prediction. We've got four of the next four games. Clemson on Tuesday, at Illinois, Purdue, Seton Hall. Fonseca, I'm throwing it to you. Give me their record in those four games, and and which which one will they? Which ones will they have a chance to win? Before they played UMass, I said they have to go three and two in that five game stretch to kind of save the season. Uh, I'll stick to that. So they'd have to go three and one in these four games. I would put those odds at <laughs> the plus ten thousand that it happens. Right? right. I think their best chance is probably Clemson. Uh, Clemson looked good in the game I saw against St. Bonaventure, but they also blew a double-digit lead, so they're vulnerable. Um, I don't think they'll beat Purdue. I think Purdue is going to just obliterate them Obl- because Purdue is insanely good. Very good. Insane. Zach Eady is going to eat Cliff O'Marie's lunch. Not because Cliff O'Marie is particularly bad, but Zach Eady just looks unbelievable. Um, so, okay, to answer the question, I say they go 2-2. Two and two. I think okay. they beat Clemson in Illinois. Um, and I wow. think they get boat raced by Purdue and Seton Hall uh, boat races them at the Prudential Center. I think interesting. I think they'll get close wins against Clemson and Illinois, and then they get double digit losses to Purdue and, and Seton Hall. All right. Well, I, I would assume that Clemson. I agree with you that'd be the easiest win. But I, I would, and I like Seton Hall, but I would think that that would just because of the rivalry nature, that would be the next best possibility. Uh, I'm going to go two and two as well with those two as W's and the zero and two and Big Ten start. Cratch, you want to you want to weigh in? What do you think? I will also say two and two. I think they beat Clemson on Tuesday night. I think they lose the two Big Ten games, and I think Seton Hall game. Look, Seton Hall should beat them. Seton Hall looks like the better team. I just feel like this. This that's a game where like that's that's on Gio and Ron. They got to yeah. take. They they have to take the team and put it on their backs and get it done. And you know they've they have the bad blood, the the business to take care of. They've got to take care of it. And I will say this: if they lose to Clemson, that is going to be. Uh, rough at the rack. So I hope they're ready for that game. All right, what else we got? We talked about women's soccer. We The Natty coming next week. Uh, wrestling, a big uh, win at the Pru Center, right? Does yeah, eight, no, off to a best start in years. Yeah, North Carolina kind of sat some of their top guys. That takes a little bit of shine off the win, but still a good win for Rutgers. They're on the road. They're at American University on Friday night. They should Roll in that, so be nine and zero, uh, potentially ten and zero, because they'll be favored against Army uh, at Jersey Mike's Arena on December tenth as well. What is the uh, best record dual meet history? Putting you in the spot here, what is the number of wins that they would have to? Do you have an idea? Ballpark? Oh wow, not off the top of my head. No, uh, there were probably some years when, when they were in the EIWA that they kind of racked some some wins up. I will dig into the, the media guides and check that out. But obviously it's a, it's a big start, but they've, they've got a big 10 dual meets, you know, and Princeton and Ryder on this waiting in, in the second semester. So, uh, you know, it's something that it's going to be hard for them to really have a massively big winning streak, but they could be getting there. All right. My final question for the sake of you had a choice between having sporting win Okay, I can't come up with what the thing would be. The Champions League, is that correct? Having Sporting win. I got it. There you go. Sporting win the Champions League or or having uh, just a satchel full of $20 bills arrive, this dropped at your doorstep. Which one, which one would you take? It would have to be probably a $50 million satchel. Uh, really? I, yeah, I, th- I think uh, 
Sporting winning the Champions League would be the happiest moment of my life beyond anything that could happen. Wife, kids, any, literally anything. I think that would be the peak of my life. <laughs> There's nothing the future Miss Fon- Mrs. Fonseca can do to overcome that. That's great. I love it. All right. Uh, on that note, I will not mention Benfica again. Let's sign off for here. We'll be back after, I guess, I don't know, maybe next week, maybe uh, closer to the holidays. We'll see to uh, talk about where the basketball team is. And Oh, we haven't even talked about Rutgers recruiting. Jeez. So we'll definitely be back to recap that when signing day comes and goes. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.